Do you find listening to your friends' stories into motherhood uplifting and empowering? Brought to life by maternal health company AMA & Co., AMA Need a Minute provides mothers the space and the minute to share their real and raw experiences as well as their learnings. So pour yourself a glass of wine or tea, throw in that fifth load of laundry for the week that will sit in the dryer, and join in to celebrate, commiserate, and build a new kind of community. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Amanita Minute Podcast. One of the unexpected perks I've experienced from hosting this podcast is that I'm reconnecting with a lot of people that I have not spoken to in years, and in some cases, decades. (laughs) On the show today, we have my childhood friend, Ida. Hi, Ida, and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm really glad you reached out. Um, I feel like... I've maybe been watching you on Instagram for a little and maybe you've been watching me for a little, but um, it was really nice to just like talk about motherhood. And I feel like there's just this unspoken like bond that happens once you become a mother. I want you to have a chance to introduce yourself. We have not connected in a while and I would love to know what you've been up to. Yeah, of course. Um, so right now I'm a facility support coordinator uh, at a university. Um, and I was formerly a retail inventory manager. This was uh, back in New York. Uh, right now I'm located in Virginia with my family. Um, and in between, I did take some time uh, to stay at home uh, with my oldest. And at some point I decided I also needed to interact with grownups. So I went to become <laughs> your, you know, friendly local barista. And I, I did that for a little bit as well. So um, that's kind of been what I've been up to. Um, I've been a Coast Guard reservist for 12 years now. So uh, that involves drilling one weekend a month. And we do training uh, two weeks, usually in the summer, uh, to make sure that mm-hmm. we're qualified to supplement an active duty mission or any sort of contingency that happens in the U.S. Um, I have two daughters, uh, ages six and three. Mm-hmm. And um, my husband, Sonny, we've been together for almost 12 years now. So that's, that's quite, quite a lot has happened since we've that last talked. That is a long time. Um, how did you and Sonny meet? Um, we just met online and we clicked and that was it. We just kind of knew and we've been together for, that, for almost 12 years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and is he from the area or... Um, I know you're from New York, so what sparked the move to Virginia? Um, he He's from New York as well. Uh, we were okay. visiting friends in Virginia. They were stationed out here. Mm. And on the drive back, and this was, I think our, our oldest was about 18, 18 months. Uh, oh, no, she was coming up on a year. And we had went out to visit. And there was something that wasn't quite right in New York. And we felt that it, we fit better in Virginia and decided to take a leap of faith. And I quit my job and we moved. You have two daughters and sounds like you made a move in between the first and the second. Would you want to talk a little bit about your uh, pregnancy story and your labor and delivery story for either of them? Yeah. Um, so both of them were C-sections. Um, but my first one It was unplanned and it was in New York. Um, There was, it was stressful. Um, An unplanned C-section, it was not something that 
was ever in a birth plan. It was not quite something we had talked about because we were really hoping, you know, we went to all these, we went to this one class and it was really um, so wholesome in teaching you about natural birth. Mm -hmm. And so we were very hopeful that we'd be able to follow the process and feel comfortable and Mm -hmm. everything will just go as planned. But um, things didn't go as planned. Um, uh, I think I went into labor on a Sunday night and it felt it probably felt a lot longer than it was, but only a couple hours later, I told my husband, I'm like, get up, we're, we have to go to the hospital. Like, I, I can't, I think, I think this is it. I was right that it was contractions, but um, I was not quite dilated yet. So it did take a little uh-huh. bit longer. And after a while, I didn't progress. And um, um, my oldest was just ready to come out. Um, she was just eager to get out. So she yeah. uh, was kind of bruising her head, I guess, as she was making her oh, way down. Wow. Okay. And so we, you know, we talked to the doctor a bit, trying to see what our options were. And yeah. she mentioned this. And as we kind of discussed this, we were kind of faced with that decision. Like, okay, well, right now is still a normal person's hour of the day. So it felt safer for our doctor to go ahead and do a C-section versus should something happen in the middle of the night and we're trying to wake her up and, and do this, is that safe for someone to be operating in the middle of the night? So mm. we went ahead and decided that, you know, mm. for the safety of myself, as well as our daughter, we, we were going to do the C-section. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, we, mm-hmm. we stand by that decision. Um, but I felt like afterwards the support wasn't quite there because I didn't even know how to talk about it. I mean, even, even till now, this is probably the first time I've ever fully told this whole story for both, um, you know, so openly, like, then this is what, you know, drew me to your, to your uh, podcast was being able to talk about this. Um, Mm -hmm. It's it's a major surgery. Um, It's not an easy way out. The recovery process uh, was really tough. Uh, The scarring, um, was really tough because she had been pushing a lot. There was a lot of stretching. And so, um, part mm-hmm. one part of my scar, um, was kind of big and it, it, it made me feel really self-conscious. It really kind of took me down for oh. a bit. And oh, wow. I mean, I was, I was a very active person prior to, um, having kids. And so for me to be like immobile for such a long period of time and then feel self-conscious, um, not knowing what to do about the weight, what can I do after a surgery, a major surgery like this? I, it was, it was hard. Um, yeah. and I, you know, my, my mom, um, did not have a C-section with either myself or my sister. So it was, yeah. it was not, something she didn't that know I how to help you. She like didn't she know. Just, yeah, yeah. She didn't know what to say. Um, right. And, and so it was, it was tough. Um, yeah. and we tried our best to navigate through it, but I think in the end, you know, it was just, it was just my husband that was really my rock trying to figure out what we yeah. can do about it. So he was up doing a lot of the feedings or helping me yeah, out of the yeah, yeah. To, to, to do the feedings. Um, I think with all of that stress that also made breastfeeding kind of difficult as well. Yeah. Um, my oldest has an appetite and so she made it really difficult <laughs> for me to kind of keep up for a bit oh, um, yeah. because I, I was like stressing myself out to putting so much on myself saying like, oh, yeah. like I wasn't able to do the natural birth. So like, let me, let me try. Like, like I have to breastfeed. I have to do something right. for her. Um, it right. wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't that smooth feeling of, 
oh, the baby's here. Let me do that skin to skin. And there's this whole euphoric feeling. I guess like maybe we just like watch too many movies about it where it's just this like beautiful moment and the mom looks great. (laughs) It's like I threw up all over myself. Like it was not pretty. Um, They did have to put me under for for my oldest um, because I could still still feel a bit of the pain. So I did have to go under, um, which was also a very creepy feeling. (laughs) Yeah, so... I mean, I'm assuming you and Sunny are both like fairly type A in the sense that you're like organized and like preparing, right? So like, like you said, you had done a bunch of classes, like you were ready, like this mindset of like, I'm going to do this vaginal birth. So was there a specific reason you wanted to do a vaginal birth? Like, was it for your health? Was it for the baby's health? Was it like, you know, kind of what was, what was the motivation behind that? I just thought that was what we're supposed to do. My mom never spoke mm-hmm. of C-section um, before. Yeah. I was kind of, it was kind of hinted like, oh, that's kind of the easy way out nowadays. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I, you know, I can, I can figure out this natural birth thing. Let me take class and, and do that. Um, but my husband is probably not a type A. He does plan, but he planned for like the material stuff that we needed around on the okay, house and, like and researching like yeah he, he's like yeah. a researcher for all of those things and he let me yeah. be as type a as i wanted to be about the pregnancy because he's like baby you're carrying the baby this is you yeah, so yeah you know you tell me what classes i need to show up to yeah i see how did it feel once you made that decision was it like a little bit of relief Ooh, that's a tough one. It was, I think it felt kind of just disappointing that we had put all this effort into focusing on a natural birth. And here we are with, Mm -hmm. okay, a C-section that, you know, everything did go smoothly. Um, So I'm very grateful for that. Everything did go very smoothly. But what do you do next? It was just like so much confusion and we just, yeah. we just had to navigate it day by day. It was, it was a little bit tough trying to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, you were saying it was really tough to move around. Your husband had to pretty much do everything the first few weeks. Um, and how did you heal? I was terrified of looking at the mirror or touching my scar mm. or being like, what is that bump? What is, is that, is that a bandage? Is that like, I did not want to look. Yeah. Um, so my husband did have to help me out with that because he was very brave yeah. and he was like, no, those are yeah. just bandages and we could take that off or, you know, so just baby steps. Yeah. Um, yeah. The recovery process was um, going outdoors. Um, he encouraged us to take walks as a family so that that was a little bit more of my bonding time is, hey, I can look at the baby while I'm kind of walking and, and just trying to make that yeah. connection there. Um, because I didn't I didn't feel quite connected. Um, yeah. To my daughter in that moment. It was there was so much like pain. It, it almost felt resentful, I would say. Um, mm. Like, why did I choose to go through this? Like, you yeah. know, what's going on through my head? Um, yeah. And so it, it took a bit of getting outside more. Um going places and finding different places to go to. So kind of as she was growing up, we were going to children's museums or different parks or playgrounds, um, events. Like we went to a, like those hot air balloon events. So it's something so big that kids just kind of look at and their eyes widen. So little things like that really helped us 
uh, stay connected. Um, yeah. So he helped a lot with that, encouraging us to, to still do things or still be just a little spontaneous um, in doing stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's such a interesting perspective you said about like how you weren't immediately connected and in some ways a little bit resentful because I maybe I felt a little bit that way too with my first uh, I had I mean I had a natural quote-unquote birth but I had very terrible tearing and it was to the point that I was like I don't think I want a second child like I that really crossed my mind and I had always thought I was going to have to but the fact that like I was in so much pain after I was like I don't think I can do this again um and I feel like from the outside looking in you might think wow like how could a mother sacrifice her body this way for a child um and it's not until I guess you come out of that like pained phase that you're like okay it was kind of worth it you know like I don't know in hindsight you're like okay yeah and (laughs) it just makes you doubt like your decision making it's like can I even make the right decision anymore can I can I plan correctly because clearly I didn't plan for this and it was just so much and it was so overwhelming and there wasn't a lot of people that I could even really talk to about it because I didn't know many mm-hmm. people that had C-sections in in, mm-hmm. in our generation, right? So it was, mm-hmm. I didn't have um, anyone to really lean on. So, you know, yeah. Google was probably my best friend, <laughs> like looking up, looking yeah. up all these different things about the recovery process um, and understanding, really kind of accepting what I had been through and that this yeah. is my life path and this is, you know, this is where I'm at. And I have yeah. a healthy, healthy daughter and this is how she came into the world. Yeah. So for the second pregnancy, you said, so you said the first one was unplanned, but it sounds like the second one was planned as a C-section. Yeah, correct. Um, so the second one we decided to go with planned. Um, part of that does have to do with our move to Virginia and us kind of starting starting new here. So um, Sonny did not have any uh, FMLA. He did not qualify mm-hmm. to take any leave. Uh, so he did have to just burn a couple of sick and vacation days. Yeah. Um, so we figured a planned one would be better so that no one would really be as stressed out. And if we, at that time, my parents had just retired. So mm-hmm. for them to come out and help and watch our older one was, was, was really nice to be able to give them a time time frame um, yeah. of having them here. Um, the second one was planned, and I guess I finally brushed off a lot of that self doubt and what what my body was capable of doing. Because after that C section experience, I was kind of thinking, well, my body could do all of that, and I'm still yeah. okay. So yeah. I I kind of started, you know. Um, I figured I would just go another route because why not? So yeah. this time around, I was able I was able to get access to a pool. So I was swimming a lot. I think I swam up until the two days before yeah. um, this plan C section. You know, I felt confident in what I was about to walk into. Mm. Um, and even so, we did those hospital tours just to understand. You know, this is where you check in. This is where you park. Yeah. So we were doing that, and I re- strictly remember that um, 
Sunny and I, and we brought our oldest with us for this tour. And we were the only ones with another kid. And there were all of these new parents asking all of these questions about what the room was set up like, were there um, bathtubs or, you know, the, the, the balls you can sit on, the exercise balls, all these other things. And we didn't ask any questions because we wanted to see the recovery room more than we wanted to see Uh this room. And so we wanted to see the recovery room because um, poor Sunny slept on a chair, like upright chair for the first one. And so when we saw that, it was a single and like a full bed that he could lay down on. I mean, a full couch that he could lay on. Yeah, yeah. We were just like, oh, we'll be, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. (laughs) And so we kind of took like a a more laid back approach saying like, let's focus on the important things. If he can get sleep (laughs) um, in recovery with me, I think we'll be okay. And um, this one was, um, we just, we just walked right in. We were doing the intake process. Um, Sunny has a selfie of us like waiting while we were just sitting there. It's like, and I think like, some people were up and, and texting, how's everything going? And he's like, oh, we're just sitting here waiting. We're just taking selfies with, and sending them to people. Um, <laughs> and we were just so relaxed to a point where I yeah. apparently was having contractions and I didn't even feel a thing. Oh, wow. I didn't feel a thing. And they were coming in. They're like, hey, look at this graph. Do you see it? I, I don't know how to read it, but they're like, look, yeah. it's all timed. Like, really? I don't feel a thing. Yeah. Um, And so then, you know, then they're like, okay, it's time. And I'm thinking they're going to wheel me in or something. They're like, no, you're walking in. You're you're walking into your your operating room. Okay. Excuse me? What? So it was was a totally different experience. And we kind of took it as it kind of came at us. And I was awake for this one. And yeah. Um, I had a great anesthesiologist that really helped with uh, kind of some pain management or, or some of the nausea that comes with it. Okay. And we communicated really well. And as soon as she was out, the nurses were like, you know, do you guys want to do skin to skin? And Sunny immediately just pointed at me like she needs to do this. And yeah. that euphoric feeling that I kind of missed out um, with yeah. my oldest. I did get um, with my youngest and I think I remember laying there. I think I was, I was crying. I don't, I don't even remember. I was so like curious too. And, you know, and I just, I was like looking at my husband like, Oh, is this what it was supposed to feel like? (laughs) (laughs) Just like laughing at me. Like, okay. (laughs) Maybe tone down, tone down the, uh, the meds there, doc. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But it, it was, it was interesting. And I appreciated that for the experience that it was because yeah. I almost, I don't know if I would have even um, been as grateful or appreciative of that experience had I not had maybe a little bit more of a rough unplanned one the first time around. Yeah. So I, yeah. you know, it is what it is. And they're both yeah. very different kids. So <laughs> different <laughs> process, different kids. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you said you were put under for the first, right? So, yeah. um, how, I mean, was it like you woke up and you were like, oh, I have a baby? Like, what does that feel like? Um, I don't, so it, I was in like a, it was a, like a dream state. I, I do remember the oh. details of this. It was like a dream state where everything was dark and I had some neon colors, kind of like when you crack open those glow sticks and you're, glow sticks, you know, yeah. 
and you're just kind of waving them around. It was like that. It was like wavy things and colors, no sound. Specifically remember no sound because out of nowhere, there was this piercing cry. This was her (gasps) first cry. And I remember being in this world going like, wait, but I thought there's no sound. Like that was my logic in this world. And then I went, oh, that's my baby. And boop, my eyes opened up. And I mean, there she was. I mean, she was screaming. She was pretty pretty mad like what's the key guy so long she's like my head hurts guys so she's there like because the nurses at this point had already like quickly wrapped her up cleaned her and yeah. shoved her like in my face and you know i'm oh, just my wow. eyes are just popping open i can't really do much but i just remember her like crying and i'm yeah. just trying to match the fact that i was in this other state and i heard the cry and all of a sudden yeah. she was right here that's um, so cool. I feel like yeah. it's like your instinct, like your like your motherly instinct, essentially just knowing your child's call before you even knew what it was. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, to this day, remember all those little details and the colors and everything yeah. and just questioning that really like hard, you know, question, like, why is there sound? There shouldn't be sound here in this yeah. space of mine. And there yeah. she is. So yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> That's so cool. Both stories are very. I mean, I feel like both stories are very cool. Um, and I, I love how you said like the second time you just felt like so confident in your body's ability to recover from a C-section. Because um, mm-hmm. I kind of felt that way too. Like the second time, I had. I mean, I had terrible tearing for the first one, but I was like. I, like you, was scared to um, know what was going on down there. It was probably like four weeks. And I was like telling Jake, I was like, can you just look for me? Can you look? And then he's like, oh, yeah, they did a pretty good job. I'm like, what does that mean? I like don't even want to know. Like, I, I at that point, I had not looked at anything. I, I hadn't touched. Like, I still just was using that like Perry bottle to like clean myself. Like, I didn't want to touch anything. Yeah. So um, I kind of get what you you were you were thinking, but then at the same time, I was like, "Whoa!" Like I can't believe my body like just knew how to patch itself up essentially. And like, so when the second one came, I'm like, "I'm probably gonna tear," but like I know that my body will like kind of heal itself and get back to normal at some point. Yeah, so. and and this and it's funny that you're mentioning that Jing was. Um, we always ask our husbands, I guess, to look for us because we're so like, <laughs> we didn't even know what to do. But um, I, so I didn't know this at the time. Our, our doctor was great. The second time around, she kind of even kind of gave me uh, a debrief of how things went and, you know, mm. what the recovery was. I remember her mm. turning to my husband and saying, like, you are not allowed, like, you, you must keep her home and make sure she does not try and go to the gym within the first six weeks um and he actually did have to make sure that i i you know kept it together and didn't you know break out um but it was after when we had gotten home and and during the recovery process that same thing i was a little scared about what the scarring looked like especially since Mm. this is another scar right um and he said that and i just remember looking at him so weird he's like your scar looks better. Like, what does that mean? I just had the second C-section. Yeah. He goes, yeah. no, it looks better than the first one. I'm like, what? And as Did he cut healed, you in the same spot? 
She did. Our doctor did a really good job of kind of cutting either. I think it wasn't in the same spot, but close, like underneath. Yeah. And what she did was she tucked in that extra scar tissue, the, mm-hmm. the, the bigger part mm-hmm. of the scar that I was so sensitive about. She tucked it in during the, the you know, sewing stitching. apart and stitching yeah, apart. Yeah. yeah. And I, wow. I just, she did it with so much care that like I was pleased. Yeah. I was like, oh, it, it does look better. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that. And that I think really oh, wow. boosted like my recovery because I was, I felt better about yeah. everything. Um, that's such like a, um, subtle, but like very kind thing for a doctor to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like she didn't have to do it that way, but like, yeah, she could have given me another scar right under me. Yeah. Um, I think that that's like such a subtle, like very like beautiful thing that someone can do for you. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Very cool. Uh, so, but you didn't miss your first scar at all then. Uh, I, what do you, what? Like, you, you know, you said the scar changed, like, the second time, because she, like, did something. So, like, were you like, oh, it, like, it's different now. Like, I don't, like, I don't know. Did you miss it? Is that a weird I question to ask? No, I don't, I don't, I don't miss it. I mean, I think mm. that was such a, a tough part of me that it was kind of just, like, good. I can let go of that. I can let okay. go of how I felt about that first one, finally, mm. and embrace the fact that, I have two beautiful girls and, and, you know, this is me and, you know, forget that whole, you know, experience like it is, it's done, (laughs) you know, don't let it kind of hang over me. Forget it. Just don't let it hang over me that in the way that it had. Yeah. Okay. So when you were finally cleared for exercise, I'm assuming it was at six weeks. No. Yeah. I was ready to go. Okay. (laughs) So you were cleared. What was the first thing you did? Um, I went back into swimming um, just to make sure that it was like I eased back into things that were my body was yeah. comfortable with. Um, and then um, one of my friends in the Coast Guard talked me into doing a sprint triathlon. So I did that oh. a um, couple months later. I did a, a, a nice little sprint triathlon and I just gained a lot more confidence in, in what my body can handle. So you started working out again. When did you um, decide to go back or when did you have to go back to work? I guess that's a better question. Um, so with, so I had mentioned that I was kind of a stay at home mom for a bit. Cause when we moved from New York to Virginia, mm-hmm. I just, you know, up and left my job. Um, I was working, I still worked at uh, Starbucks for a little bit, a couple shifts here and there every week. Um, it wasn't until uh, most recently uh, that I, I went back to work full time. So I did do mm-hmm. a year of active duty orders uh, to help out with staffing uh, during COVID purposes. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that unit was um, located in, in DC. So I was able to do some work for them and, and help with staffing, um, but it was for the most part remote. And mm-hmm. then as I was coming out of that and, I said, I think I'm, I think I feel ready to, to mm. really go back to work and really start thinking about career again. Cause I, I really wanted to put it on pause. The break yeah. that I took was to try and figure out, you know, how to accept this new identity as a mom. Mm. Um, and when I started feeling like I can handle this, you know, I talked to my husband about it, but I said, you know, I can't afford to just 
throw my resume out there to just any opening anymore. Um, Mm. I have to be picky because, you know, I want to make sure that my work-life balance and my family is, is worth centered. So going back Mm -hmm. to work was a very particular decision. And this is one of the Mm -hmm. things that we planned, um, is to really be picky. And if it was going to work out, it'll work out. And if it wasn't you know, time for me to find the right position, then, you know, we'll just, you know, I was planning on just still hanging out with my, my friends at Starbucks, um, for a bit. Um, so I was particular about it and I made, I was so vocal and made my intentions known when I was going Mm -hmm. through the interview process for my current job. And I said Mm -hmm. that my family is the most important, um, you know, scheduling wise or anything I have to do, they will be my focus. And, you know, if you guys cannot respect that, then, you know, we can part ways here. Like we don't need to just take this any further. If you guys aren't going to respect those intentions from me. Um, and the people that I met genuinely, genuinely wanted to support that. And, um, Mm. they have in every way. So I haven't even been at this Mm -hmm. job for a year, but there's just been so much going on between, um, not only just my family, but just seeing how they handle each other's, um, family situations mm. and yeah. everybody just steps in to support each other, uh, with that work life yeah. balance. So I, I'm glad that I was picky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great. And I read some, um, I heard some article or read some article at some point about how like kids get a lot of anxiety about, getting older and working because in many instances they see how work wears down their parents and like their parents are like stressed out about it or like talk negatively about work and so like they actually internalize that as like oh man I'm gonna have to do that one day and like they don't want to work because of that so I feel like it's really important that like you show your kids that you're doing something that you enjoy and that you love and that there are options. Right. And that like work does not have to be something that everyone hates and has to do, you know? Um, yeah. I don't remember where I learned that, but I, I do remember that. And it stuck on my head because I was like, I never want to talk about work in that, like, in that way that would give my son like anxiety of not wanting to have a job yeah. ever. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I definitely, I can definitely see that because they, they eavesdrop in on every conversation, mm-hmm. at least in our household. Yeah. So it's, you know, I don't want to feel that stressed out at work that I'm bringing it home, having that conversation. Yeah. And now it's becoming now somehow they're absorbing it in some way. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, my oldest um, in pre-K, they explained weekday and weekends a little bit differently. Um, they okay. explained it as a school day and a home day. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I thought about that. I'm like, yeah, it is a home day. Like this is a home. <laughs> this is for our family. This is what yeah. our day. And kind of thinking about it from her, you know, little pre-K yeah. perspective uh, really helped because that's what they see. This is the time yeah. that they get to be home with mom and dad, you know, and sissy, this is, this is what they want to do. And yet, you know, if you're stressed out at work or if you are, if you, if you're, if people are not respecting those boundaries of, Mm -hmm. you know, you're done for the day, Mm -hmm. it does Mm -hmm. follow you home and it it does not set a really good example for them. Yeah. Yeah. 
Definitely. And I, I feel like sometimes it's not even like intentional. Like it could just be like you talking to your spouse about like, oh my gosh, like I had this crazy day. Da, 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 da. But like, I feel like the time for me to have those conversations with Jing is like slowly closing because now Harry is so, my older one is so verbal and he's like picking up everything. Like I'm sure <laughs> your daughters are a little older. You can't just talk about anything now with your husband. You have yeah. to like, kind of like have like, I guess, PG conversations. And then like, if you have other like not so positive conversations, you have to have them behind like closed doors or after eight yeah, o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, try to, I try to remember that when I do have to kind of get it out and talk to my husband about it, like in front of the kids, um, I do try to at least mention what the solution was or like kind of what, what, got worked out in the end that there was like an ending to this. So it's not this perpetual like stress. <laughs> so I do try to remember, like, make sure there's a little bit of an end story so that they know this is, you know, this isn't you know, this yeah. dramatic thing yeah. that happens every single day mom goes to work. So That's funny. Um, so you're still involved with the Coast Guard. Um, and I, you mentioned earlier the commitment level that you're, um, training like once a month I think it was right yeah. how is that going um how does that fit with your schedule um so it's it can be challenging so it has really been challenging to to make sure that I meet my commitments um because at this point I'm um more than halfway towards what uh, a normal retirement would be which is 20 years um I'm at 12 and um just leading up to uh Leading up to the first pregnancy was probably challenging because of the planning that has to go around it to make sure that you mm -hmm. are uh, you have a good participation year. And mm -hmm. to meet the requirements, um, I had to talk to my supervisors and say, hey, can I do maybe two weekends this month, two weekends next month to kind of either go ahead or catch up um, yeah. during the first pregnancy? Um, cause towards yeah. the end, I couldn't even fit into it's my hard for yeah. yeah. And so then kind of with the second one, it was also the same thing was just like over communicating what I could and couldn't do and how to plan ahead and kind of coming up with a schedule on my own yeah. because I did not yeah. want to miss out on a, a good, a year that would contribute to my retirement. Um, so that mm -hmm. was a little bit stressful, but I did have really good supervisors that helped me figure that out and, and gave me that mm -hmm. ability to plan for myself. They did trust me. They, they mm -hmm. didn't do any, you know, micromanaging, um, or anything like that. But, um, since then it has been pretty good because, um, uh, my husband has been able to take the weekends, um, to watch both girls when I'm away. His, his job is Monday through Friday too. So we mm -hmm. have been lucky enough to be able to work those situations out as well as our two, the two mm -hmm. weeks of training that I have to do. Um, mm -hmm. but there's, there's some things that are slowly changing. Um, cause in the past, if, if say I was still able to, to physically go and do my drills leading into the, the pregnancies, but I know a lot of women that it, they don't feel good. Like they might not, yeah. the doctor might not even clear them to be able to do certain things. And yeah. so it's been really tough on, women in the military and particularly the reserves for this matter is mm -hmm. trying to plan around that. So some things that have changed that I am so happy, like this year, 
they came out with a policy that says that there's a certain amount of drill periods that will get paid during, mm-hmm. during the pregnancy. And so these women are not at risk for losing the good participation year towards retirement. Um, mm-hmm. So to see that that change is, is starting to happen is, is mm-hmm. really exciting to me. Um, I know it's probably not going to apply to me because I think I'm good with my two girls. <laughs> but it's good to see that, that that piece is being incorporated now when we're talking mm-hmm. about um, the retention rate uh, for women in the military yeah. is that there are, yeah. they are starting to address um, these, these issues. Mm-hmm. What was the inspiration for you to be in the Coast Guard? Oh, um, I don't know. I don't know if you would call it inspiration. It was more so I didn't really have quite a direction in my life at that point. And so I said, hey, why not? Let me join. And I tested well <laughs> um, on, on the exam, the entrance exam thing to kind of see what uh, you would do job wise. Mm-hmm. And then I was, um, I selected to go to electronics technician school because it was going to be seven months in California and I had never been to California. Mm-hmm. So after basic training, uh, I ended up going to step to California for, for seven months of training, but I did feel a little duped because I thought California was like San Diego, California, nice beach type weather. <laughs> we ended up in Northern California, which is cow country. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so totally different. Um, but we did, I, I made the most of it. Um, it was, it was a good experience. I learned a lot and it did give me some sense of structure um, and some direction in terms of, you know, what I wanted to do next. So mm-hmm. it was, it was cool. And I've, and I've met great people along the way. Uh, some of whom are like my closest friends. They were my support system, uh, particularly mm-hmm. for the second for the second birth, after I realized I didn't have a support system the first time around, mm. the second time around, I, again, I was kind of more intentional. I'm like, I need to go find mm. people that understand this. And I found coworkers mm-hmm. that really, um, I had one that went through four C-sections and she oh, talked wow. about it so openly. Mm. And I felt so comfortable that that was something that, that helped me a lot as well, was knowing that mm-hmm. I can, I can talk to somebody so freely about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I asked about your motivation because you've been there for 12 years. So actually, I just put it in my head that you and Sunny started dating when you joined. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. yeah. So um, the Coast Guard yeah, is the longest put- relationship than my marriage. <laughs> So he's waiting until I retire so he can finally beat that mark there. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm just thinking about it because I feel like the people who are in it really want to be there, right? Like you, you must love it if you've, you're still there after 12 years. And my initial, um, yeah, my initial thing was eight years. Um, and yeah. I didn't know if I was going to stay or not. And that first experience um, with you know, my oldest, I decided, you know, I I need to do more, I need to start pushing, Mm. you know, kind of pushing almost like, like different expectations for myself, like I need to do something different, because I want her to see that mom is, is trying new things or doing something different. And I decided to apply uh, to, to become an officer. And yeah, um, not long after I did get accepted into the program. So I did get commissioned, um, as an officer. So I started as an enlisted, as an electronics technician mm-hmm. and 
made my way to officer and and now it's a, it's a different world it's a there's more leadership um a leadership aspect about it and it's it's a little mm-hmm. bit more challenging because every 3 years we are required to switch units mm-hmm. and I'm learning a lot every time we switch it's like oh okay I have to hit the ground running like what don't I know and that, mm-hmm. the answer to that is everything there's so much I don't know <laughs> and so and and it's been good it, it kind of keeps us on our toes um it is tough uh, on the family and I get that but with the technology we've been lucky to stay connected over the weekends when I have to go do training or yeah. you know yeah. send pictures or videos of the kids while I'm at training it's it is nice yeah. that we do have the technology to lean on so I am grateful for that but at this point again just I'm so close to the retirement part of it I've already kind of committed like all right well let's just ride this all the way out and see where it takes us <laughs> yeah um, and I've had great adventures too I've, I've been deployed for a couple of hurricane responses um mm-hmm. so to be on the ground um assisting in some way uh for those places that have been hit by hurricanes it's it's a, it's a big deal it, it does stick with you and and my kids are a little young and they don't understand much right now but every time I have been mm-hmm. deployed, I've taken this little um, Buzz Lightyear uh, figurine and I've taken oh. pictures every time I've been deployed somewhere. So there's this little Buzz Lightyear that follows me every time I get deployed so that one day I go to put it into one big scrapbook and kind of explain kind of some oh. of the things that mom has done uh, over over yeah. her career. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that that's, uh, that's... I mean, I think I agree with you. It's very important for them to see you in all your identities right like yeah your mom but you're also like these other things right mm-hmm. um since you've been there for so long have you seen more women joining like have you seen a shift i don't know if i can say i've seen more women joining but i have interacted with more women that want to take on more responsibilities i've had more questions come up to me saying how can I change this? Or like, what can I do? What's the process? You know, Mm -hmm. if you've been through some part of this, it's, they're asking for my experience now, like, well, how do I go about changing this? Or how, how do I go about, um, you know, talking about this? Mm -hmm. And this, this is it. This is it. We're, we're talking about things. We're, we're bringing it up on, on Facebook groups, um, Mm -hmm. you know, one-on-one with your friends, you're, we're getting bold enough to really bring up these issues face to face with our male supervisors, letting them know that mm-hmm. this is not, you know, right, or it could be better and having those mm-hmm. kind of uncomfortable conversations at times. Um, mm-hmm. And for the ones that are listening, um, these supervisors, male or female, they're mm-hmm. the ones that are really helping us as well. But it, it, it's really about talking about it um, and, and just spreading mm-hmm. the word as much as possible. Um, we do get, almost kind of annoyingly like surveys every year about, you know, retention rates or, mm-hmm. or demographics mm-hmm. and what can be done better and, and filling those things out. Um, yeah, the change is slow. Um, you know, especially with big organizations, I get that, but if, if we're not saying anything, nothing's, nothing's going to change. So the fact that we yeah. are slowly seeing some of these changes come down the line, like this reserve one, um, I was so happy to read, um, the update on it because it's something that is a struggle to see, yeah. you know, really good people and really good people for the organization just up and leave because they're like, you know what? I can't, I can't manage this with a family. I can't, you yeah. know, plan my, my drills around my pregnancy. Like yeah. that's hard. 
for people. Yeah. Um, and so it, it almost like discriminates almost naturally, which is not mm-hmm. fair um, because yeah. you have people that are so talented. Um, so to be able to see that, that, that change is happening and, and we're talking about it, we're talking about it more and more. It's not taboo to talk about it um, and bring it up. It's, it's big. It's a big change. Yeah. That's, that's really important work. I feel like, like you, even just you, like you said, being transparent and talking to your supervisors or whoever you need to talk to, um, about like what you need during your pregnancy journey serves as an example for others, right? Like you never know who's watching. Um, and so, you know, someone could see that and just know like, okay, it's okay for me to like start talking about it if I'm interested in starting a family. Um, and I think that that movement is happening in a lot of industry, a lot of different industries. Um, and also for men, right? Because we talk about paternal leave, it's like non-existent in a lot of organizations. Um, and that actually puts more burden on the woman again, right? Yeah. Because now the man cannot even help if he wants to um, without taking all his days and then you know, it's still not enough. So, um, you know, I think it's really, it's really great that, um, you're creating this, like, not you specifically, but like, there is this group of like people who are trying to advocate and slowly push the needle for moms who want to be in the Coast Guard. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's really important to see, to see that women are willing to be vulnerable and put themselves out there. Um, and not be afraid of, of whatever judgment there is, because there shouldn't be any, there, there really just shouldn't Mm -hmm. be any, you know, every mom is going to have a different journey. Um, you know, every, every story is going to be different. Um, so the best thing we can do for each other is just get rid of all the stigma and taboo and stuff and just talk about it. Because if we're not talking about it, then, you know, we're all suffering in silence that way. And it's Mm. not, it's not a place to be, uh, let alone if you're military, especially our active duty women, when you do have to move so much and you are changing, um, that support system so much, that's even, even more tough. So I just encourage everybody to, to really talk about it and kind of embrace, um, everybody's differences. If there was anything that you would want to tell yourself before your first pregnancy, what would that be? Um, I think I would say that, say to myself that the whole journey will kind of throw you off center, but that it's okay, that, that it's supposed to do that um, because you're supposed to be challenged in that way to find that center again and to find your space um, and figure out where you fit and kind of not be worried about where everyone else thinks you're supposed to fit. Um, and then most importantly, to give yourself some grace. I think I was really tough on myself yeah. that first time around and it it did not do me any good kind of being in my own head about it and not talking about it more. Um, if I had given myself a little bit more patience and grace and, and to figure it out, give myself time to accept it, the recovery may have been a little bit smoother, I think. Um, so I probably would tell myself that. Um, and is there a message you would like to share with any of the other moms who are listening? Um, I would just say, talk about it. Find find those people that will accept you for, for all of it. Um, all the good, all the bad. 
find find your squad, find your tribe, you know, whatever word we're using nowadays. <laughs> um, just just find your people, you know, find that support mm-hmm. system. Um, it does not have to be family. Um, it was tough for me because mm-hmm. um, my parents were still working that first time around and my mom didn't understand C-section quite as much. So, you know, yeah, you have to be intentional about that too. You have to make sure you, mm-hmm. you find that support system for yourself. So, so go, go out and do that um, and take care of yourself while you're at it. Ida shared openly about the self-doubt that infiltrated her mind after a lackluster birth experience. In prioritizing herself and reassessing her career and lifestyle, she gave herself the grace to heal. These changes she made for her mental health and family gave her the confidence she needed to have a beautiful second birth experience. Join us again next week for another episode on Amanita Minute.